Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate. This Sunday, mass shooting in Buffalo. Ten people dead, nine of them African-American, in what appears to be a racially motivated shooting. People in a supermarket shopping and bullets raining down on them. This was pure evil. It was straight up racially motivated hate crime. We'll get the latest from the scene. And I'll talk to Buffalo Mayor Byron Brown and to New York's Governor Kathy Hochul. Plus, the economy and the midterm. Right now, America's fighting on two fronts. At home, it's inflation and rising prices. With costs going up, outpacing wage growth. Now I could go in a grocery store and spend $60, and I'm looking like, what did I purchase? Our brand-new NBC News poll shows flashing warning signs for Democrats. But Republican leaders worry some of their candidates are too out of the mainstream. Two men sleeping together. Two men holding hands. Two men caressing. That is not normal. My guest this morning, the independent Senator Bernie Sanders of Vermont. Also, abortion politics. Thousands march nationwide in favor of abortion rights. I can't believe we're going back to this. And it's a a tragedy. As many states move to restrict those rights in anticipation of a Supreme Court decision that overturns Roe. Joining me for insight and analysis are Washington Post White House Bureau Chief Ashley Parker, the Reverend Al Sharpton, host of Politics Nation on MSNBC, Republican strategist Al Cardenas, Washington Bureau Chief for USA Today Susan Page, and Washington Post contributing columnist Matt By. Welcome to Sunday. It's Meet the Press. From NBC News in Washington, the longest-running show in television history. This is Meet the Press with Chuck Todd. Good Sunday morning. Well, it's happened again. A horror all too familiar in the United States. This time, the scene of what appears to have been an act of domestic terrorism was a supermarket in Buffalo, New York. A white teenager, a boy really, only 18, wearing body armor and carrying an assault rifle, opened fire at a supermarket in an African-American neighborhood. Ten people were killed nine of them black, and three others were wounded, two of them black. Shortly after the gunman was captured, a racist manifesto he apparently posted emerged online filled with racist and anti-Semitic views, including the theory that whites are being replaced by people of color. Authorities say the gunman, who drove some 200 miles to carry out the slaughter, also live-streamed the massacre with a camera apparently on his helmet. It was the latest in recent mass shootings aimed at ethnic groups. Charleston, South Carolina, African-Americans in church, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Jewish victims in a synagogue, El Paso, Texas, Latino victims at a Walmart. And now we add Buffalo, New York to the list. We've also, of course, seen a rise of hate crimes against Asian-Americans as well. In a moment, I'm going to talk to Buffalo's mayor, Byron Brown, and to New York's governor, Kathy Hochul. But we're going to begin our coverage with our NBC News correspondent, Emily Ikeda, who is in Buffalo. And Emily, where are we on the investigation? I know the gunman was arraigned. What's next? 
Hey there, Chuck. Investigators are looking into this as a hate crime and uh, racially motivated violent extremism. And there's a number of signs pointing uh, and explaining why. One, 13 people were shot between the parking lot behind me and the supermarket. 11 of those were black. Uh, investigators are also looking into an apparent manifesto that claims that the suspect purposefully targeted this area of Buffalo because of the number of black people here. The other thing I'll point out, take a look at these images of um, what sources tell us are the suspect's weapons. They are blurred, and that is because there are messages of hate on them, racial slurs. Uh, and the other thing I'll mention, we're learning more about this morning, are the victims. These are people who were partaking in one of the most typical, normal activities on a Saturday afternoon, shopping in the supermarket. The governor telling me one of the people was simply trying to buy cupcakes for a birthday party. Another person uh, shot and killed was the security guard. He tried to stop the suspect. Here's more from officials on that. One of the individuals inside the store is the security guard, a beloved security guard, who is a retired Buffalo police officer, a hero in our eyes, engaged the suspect, fired multiple shots, struck the suspect, but because he had heavily armed, uh, armored plating on, uh, that bullet had no round. The suspect engaged our retired officer, and he was ultimately uh, shot and deceased at the scene. The suspect is being identified as 18-year-old Peyton Gendron. He did appear in court last night. He's charged with first-degree murder. If convicted, he could face up to life in prison. We'll see him appear in court later this week on Thursday. Still very much a developing situation, Chuck, but we uh, expect later this morning to learn more information um, on the, both the victims and what led up and what happened in this just absolutely horrific tragedy. This community shaken to its core, Chuck. And obviously, want to learn more about his family situation as well. Emily... Thanks very much. And joining me now is the mayor of Buffalo, Byron Brown. Mr. Mayor, welcome to Meet the Press. Uh, thank you very much, Chuck. Look, I know this is an excruciating time uh, to be mayor uh, and that the city's in a lot of pain here. What can you tell me about the latest on the investigation? You know, all, all of it is still under apparently racially motivated. It certainly seems like we're getting close to dropping the apparently. Uh, we are getting close to dropping that. Uh, law enforcement has been working together around the clock since this occurred at every level, federal, state, county, uh, city, uh, and pieced together very quickly that this was a racially motivated attack. Uh, the individual that committed this crime uh, drove from several hours away. They were not from this community, and they drove here with the express purpose of taking black lives. You know, Mr. Mayor, I, to, to, to sort of see this, we have this toxic stew of this uh, growing right-wing ideology, easy access to guns, and our permissive internet culture that sort of rewards uh, sharing some of this violent ideas. Uh, where do we go first? How do we how do we how do you make African-Americans in Buffalo feel safe today? Let me start there. Well, the thing that this tragedy shows us is that this can occur anywhere. It's not just Buffalo. It's how to make people all across this country feel safe. It's not just African-Americans. It's how to make people in urban America, 
suburban America and rural America feel safe. Uh, the only way to do it is to really get to the point of sensible gun control in this country, uh, to end hate speech on uh, the internet and social media, uh, to stop the proliferation of hateful ideology. Uh, those are the ways that we make uh, black people feel safe in Buffalo, that we'll, we make people feel safe all across this country. Have you had been able to spend any time with uh, victim families? What have they been telling you? What what uh, what what would they like you to do? Uh, tremendous pain. Um, victims' families just thinking about their loved ones, uh, the precious lives that were lost uh, senselessly, um, uh, the hurt that they feel. Uh, the pain that they feel, um, and wanting to go on because their loved ones would want them to go on. Buffalo is a loving community. Uh, we are known nationally and internationally as the city of good neighbors. Uh, so we will, as a community, wrap our arms around the families of those we lost. Uh, we will continue to lift them up. Uh, we will continue to lift this community up, and we won't let an act of a hateful madman uh, bring this community down and keep our community from moving forward. Look, there's only so much you can do as mayor. You're going to need some help from the federal level here. What would you like to see from the federal government to make it your job easier to keep Buffalo safe? Well, we've seen many of these mass shootings around the country uh, year in and year out, month in and, and month out, uh, and it's always the same refrain. Uh, people send their thoughts and, and, and their prayers. Um, uh, lawmakers in Washington say that there's something that must be done, and then there are some uh, on one side of the aisle that block anything from being done. Uh, and it seems like there are those that believe uh, owning a gun is more precious uh, than the sanctity of human life. Uh, so I think people all across this country have to rise up. Uh, they have to speak uh, more loudly and more clearly that there must be gun control in this country. This is a uniquely American phenomenon. These mass shootings don't happen in other countries across the world. We have to ask ourselves, and more than ask ourselves, we have to take action uh, to stop it, uh, to stop it after this Buffalo, New York incident, yeah. to make sure that other communities, that other families don't go through this again. Sadly, Mr. Mayor, what you just said to me has been said to me by a lot of mayors in moments like this. And you just pointed it out. And, it, and that's the, the, the wash, rinse, repeat cycle of Washington not listening to the mayors on this is, is, is very frustrating. It, 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 you know, I, I know there's not a lot more that can be done, I guess, other than, than, than rhetoric here. But is there something else you'd like to see done? Well, I would like to see sensible gun control. I would like to see 
ending hate speech on the internet, uh, on social media. Uh, it is not free speech. It is not the American way. Uh, we are not a nation of haters. Uh, we are not um, a nation of, of hate. We need to send a message that there is no place on the internet uh, for hate speech, for hate indoctrination, uh, for spreading hate manifesto. Uh, so I'd like to see real deliberate action taken on gun control uh, and ending hate speech on the internet. I will be a stronger yep. voice uh, for that. I've heard from mayors all over the country yep. in the aftermath of this incident. Uh, I've heard from mayors actually all across the, the world. And I believe that what happened in Buffalo, New York yesterday is going to be a turning point. I think it's going to be different right. after this in terms of the energy and the activity that we see. Mr. Mayor, I hope you're right. I hope you're right. We keep wondering, when is the incident going to be the one that finally shakes us out of this? Mayor Byron Brown uh, of Buffalo, thank you so much, sir. Thank you, Chuck. And joining me now is New York's Governor Kathy Hochul, who is also a Buffalo native. Uh, Governor, welcome to Meet the Press. And what I know has uh, been a pretty difficult Thank 24 you. hours. Let me just start. Look, this is your hometown. Uh, I imagine the pain is is immense no matter what, but this is your hometown. Tell me about it. It's gut-wrenching, Chuck. I, uh, this is my hometown. I've lived here my entire life. I live in the city just you know, a few minutes from here. Uh, I worked in local politics here with a guy named Tim Russert as a teenager. So these streets are my streets. And it is just shattering to the collective psyche of this wonderful, tight-knit community to know that there's such hate out there that someone is willing to travel a distance to come and shatter the lives of so many just well-meaning people just out there grocery shopping. So, no, it, it hurts. It hurts like hell. This is a toxic stew of a rising right-wing extremism ideology that's out there, white supremacy, easy access to guns, and a permissive culture on the Internet. And it all met together in this horrendous attack. Where do you begin when it comes to figuring out uh, how we can tackle all of this? Well, you're right. There's three components to this. The white supremacist terrorism, uh, the, the radicalization that's occurring of our young people, particularly who are vulnerable to these uh, evil ideas. It's, it's, it's all induced by the internet. And the fact that platforms are willing to share this information, allow it to be posted, a manifesto that's been out there that describes in great detail how someone wants to have an execution of individuals in a community that's targeted because it's the highest black population uh, within a geographic area. That's all out there. And also the fact that this could be live streamed. How long was it live streamed before someone paid attention? These companies make a lot of money. They're very profitable. And in my judgment, they have the opportunity to be doing far more monitoring and shut things down before it gets to this situation. But also, it's about access to guns. And in New York, we have the toughest gun laws in the nation. But right now, we have a case before the Supreme Court that could be decided in a matter of weeks that could allow people to have a, a gun that's concealed to walk in the tops behind me with a concealed weapon this time. So we've got to deal with that access to guns that's coming in from places like Pennsylvania, only a few minutes from where the, uh, the accused lived. I mean, he could have just gone right over to Pennsylvania and, and was able to enhance the gun he bought legally in New York, but also to have an increased capacity of magazine, which is exactly what we think he did. 
as well as just the, the, the pervasive attitude that this replacement theory, that right. you're going to target blacks and immigrants and Jews because they're going to replace the whites. So you're absolutely right. It is a trifecta. It is a storm here. And all of us have to be vigilant and work closely together to stop this now. Well, let me let's start. Let me ask on guns. It's I, a lot of people are going to scratch their heads and goes, wow, an 18 year old could legally buy most of these weapons. And the answer is yes, isn't it? Well, in many states, legally, yes. In the state of New York, what he was able to buy was an AR-15, but he was able to enhance the magazine capacity. I mean, you can't have that many rounds purchased legally here in the state of New York. But you just go over to Pennsylvania, go to a gun show. This is why when I became new governor just a few months ago, I started a nine-state gun interdiction task force because we know most of the illegal guns being used on the streets of New York City and now in the streets of Buffalo are coming from out of state. We need a national response. Yeah. Since my time in Congress, we've been trying to get a national response. And so individual states will do the best they can. And I'm going to be proposing more gun laws on Tuesday at a pre-scheduled press conference even yeah. before this event occurred. But we need other states to step up. We need the federal government on our side. Well, let's talk about holding these Internet companies responsible. Obviously, there's this law in the books that uh, um, that allows the Internet to sort of escape liability uh, on so many things that, frankly, we as television broadcasters cannot escape the same liability. Um, you think they should be held responsible for the spread of for the easy spread of this propaganda? I hold them responsible for not monitoring and alerting law enforcement. That's exactly because of the, the issue here is that the, it is fomenting. People are sharing these ideas. They're sharing videos of other attacks, and they're all copycat. They all want to be the next great white hope that can inspire the next, next attack. We can't let that continue. And we know where it's occurring. It's not happening in the basement of a, of a KKK meeting anymore where you have a limited number of people who are succumbing to these evil influences. This is happening globally. They're looking at what happened in New Zealand and what happened in Pittsburgh and what happened in South. They read this. They absorb this. This becomes part of their mentality and they share it with others through the Internet. That's the responsibility of the Internet. And the, the, uh, the individuals who are responsible are the ones who own these companies. And I'm going to be talking to them directly. We also have TV commentators and some political figures that sort of appease this right-wing extremism. Sort of have, you know, challenge anybody that pushes back, maybe they, they come after it on speech grounds, freedom of speech or things like this. But it certainly seems as if there is a growing virus on the, right, on, on the far right here that is spreading dangerously. And they need to be held accountable as well. And any government leader that does not condemn this and condemn it today is a coward and they're also partially responsible. So let's just be real honest about the role of elected leaders and what they need to be doing is calling this out and not coddling this behavior and saying that it's, well, that's just young people and they're sharing their ideas. Yeah, I'll stand, I'll protect the First Amendment any day of the week, but you don't protect hate speech. You don't protect incendiary speech. You're not allowed to scream fire in a crowded theater. There are limitations on speech, and right now we have seen this run rampant. And as a result, I have 10 dead neighbors in this community, and it hurts, and we're going to do something about it. It really does hurt. Governor Kathy Hochul, uh, really appreciate you spending a few minutes with us, uh, and just know we're all thinking of everybody Thank there you. in Buffalo. Thank you. When we come back, not only was the horror in Buffalo all too familiar, 
It is also the most recent example of a mass shooting inspired by right-wing hate. Panelists next. Stay with us. Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars Rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate. Signing through CIDP to me means being able to do what you want to do and not what the disease is telling you you can't do. Don't give in to the disease. It's not easy, but I'm going to do it. And like I've told people, I may have CIDP, but CIDP don't have me. Sign up at ShiningThroughCIDP.com to get real CIDP stories and resources. Welcome back. Panelists here, the Reverend Al Sharpton, host of Politics Nation on MSNBC. Washington Bureau Chief for USA Today, Susan Page. Washington Post contributing columnist Matt Bai, Republican strategist Al Cardenas, and Washington Post White House Bureau Chief Ashley Parker. Uh, Reverend Sharpton, we have a toxic stew here. White supremacy ideology that's spreading. Easy access to guns. Permissive Internet culture that that almost uh, encourages uh, sharing of this Uh, far-right ideology. Where do we start? We start by changing the tone nationally. We cannot just keep going through, as you said to Mayor Brown, we've heard mayors say this before, and the government, federal government doesn't do anything. Last night, uh, when I started getting calls from our National Action Network chapter in Buffalo, what happened? And then uh, I started getting calls from government officials. First thing I said is President Biden needs to call a summit meeting of black Jewish, Asian leaders and sit down and talk about the growing problem of hate crimes and that this government will not stand by and allow this to happen. We need to have a tone where young guys like this understand the federal government will come down on them. They're monitoring what's going on and they're not going to tolerate it. He should do this right away. We I mean, we've gone from tree of life to from Charleston to to now we're in Buffalo and we're just putting out regular press releases rather than dealing with this with the urgency that it requires. And and I, I, I reached out to ADL head Jonathan Greenbat and yeah. others and said we ought to jointly go to the White House and deal with this because it is not just blacks. It is Jews. It is Asians. It is LGBTQ. It's hate everywhere. Latinos in El Paso. Latinos, yeah. really Latinos. So it's hate everywhere. The yeah. president needs to preside and say this can't be tolerated. Al, uh, uh, on the far right, there is this growing virus and not enough. It feels like a, not enough leaders uh, on the right call it out. They sort of there's an appeasement of it uh, to be generous here. Listen, there used to be political parties. There used to be serious politicians who would step up uh, and speak out against these kind of things. Uh, when David Duke ran for office, hey, I spoke out, the party chairman, others did. Uh, it was well known that he was an individual in his own, not part of a family. Yeah. Now, as to the contrary, people keep silent, and that silence is interpreted in ways that are not healthy. 
I'll tell you this. I'm frustrated in America that we're so incapable of doing things. When George Floyd was killed, uh, there are massive demonstrations. I thought there was going to be a move for social justice, and very little has happened. Uh, you know, when in Florida we had uh, Parkland, and then we had the mass shooting in a in a gay dance hall where a nephew of my wife was killed. Uh, there was some limited action, but when you look at this, the frustration in America has to do with the fact that horrific things are happening. Yeah. Government's not doing anything, and political leaders are not doing anything, and that's what the calamity is. And the other component of this, of course, is. Guns. The Reverend is right that tone matters incredibly, but then you look at how all of these hate crimes are committed, and they are all committed with guns. And this is an area where Congress has been able to do absolutely nothing. And there will be, you saw people you were interviewing talking about sensible gun reform, but you look at Sandy Hook, you look at kindergartners massacred, you look at Mother Emanuel, a shooting in a church, you look at what happened in Las Vegas at the country music concert. Guns have now touched every aspect of society and Congress has been able to do absolutely nothing. So why do we feel so helpless on warnings like this, that we're just having the same conversation we've had before? Because there are, in fact, things that we could do. Law enforcement could do more to surveil these uh, toxic sites. Social media companies could be, do more to bring them down. The news media could do more to cover them. Lawmakers could do more to find some kind of common ground uh, on on guns. And Americans could stand up and say, this, this, these shootings, these hate shootings do not reflect America. This is a radical fringe. Americans need to stand up and say, we won't stand for this right. anymore. I mean, we've talked about this. I covered Columbine, you know, back in the, the, the when this was new. This is now part of the culture. It's a recurring thing. And Ash is right. Congress has done absolutely nothing. But, but you know, to speak to what, 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 what Reverend Al was saying earlier, you know, I don't think, and we may disagree about this. I'm certain that, you know, I can have a disagreement with a lot of people. I don't think this is a more hateful, more racist country than it was 25 years ago, certainly not 50 years ago. I do think we have a segment of our political leadership that has emboldened and legitimized a very extreme and, and, and dangerous segment of our political dialogue. And they take responsibility for that. There's a culpability for that. And, and it is tied to the violence. But, Matt, uh, racism has gone from being French to mainstream. Yeah, right? that's for sure. The problem. That that's is the it's problem. an organizing well, tool. Is, it feels like a political it, organizing tool at times. Yes. But the problem that's is right. it that's has right. been normalized. You have to remember, this is an 18-year-old that is accused in, in Buffalo. When he was 15, Charlottesville happened. The president of the United States at that time said there are good people or fine people on both sides. So this gives him comfort. That's why Joe Biden, who I believe is a decent and good man, needs to set a different tone. And we need to deal with guns because a tone was set while this guy was a kid being impressionable that this is all right to be marching saying Jews will not replace me. That's what he saw at 15 years old. That's right. And he saw it from the White House. And, and there's something particularly devastating about the fact that Joe Biden said he was impelled to run for president because of Charlottesville. Exactly. Um, and, and he seemed to mean that sincerely. And, and now you look, uh, it's what's happening, and it feels like nothing has changed. The culture is the exact same. I, it does seem, uh, Matt and Susan, that every time there is an attempt to sort of deal with, particularly deal with uh, domestic terrorism, this white supremacy, you know, uh, issue, all of a sudden there's a whole bunch of Republicans in Congress that start screaming speech. Well, it's, free speech is important. Yeah. Uh, free speech is not a license 
to endorse things like replacement theory. Right. This terrible, terrible theory that uh, there's an elite, many of them Jews, trying to replace America with a black and brown nation to dilute the power of white people. That is un-American. What, what elected official... Let's Chuck, go for more than American. Chuck, right? I, I, I'm as close to a free speech absolutist as you're probably going to find. But, but I, I, And I really believe that free speech is threatened in a lot of corners of the society. But free speech demands leadership. When you have a society that is free, you also have to have a society with leaders who stand up for morality and, and for the right instincts in the culture so that, so that you don't take things that are on the margins of the society, as you say, and bring them into the mainstream and legitimize them. We have failed on that count, and we continue to fail, and these are the consequences. Every day. It's every day. Uh, you know, immigration's a big deal to me. For immigrant children, babies, to be blamed for formula shortage. I mean, come on. I mean, we, we're trying to find hate everywhere we can. Absolutely right. And there are people on the right that are intentionally trying to create that divide on that issue, too. All right. When we come back, I'm going to talk to Senator Bernie Sanders. We're going to talk a little bit about the midterm elections. Uh, We have a new NBC News poll that shows Democrats had incurred some big trouble in November. So I talk about that with the senator, Uh, an interview we taped before the events of yesterday. Stay with us. Welcome back. We're going to turn now to politics. It's a truism that voters' views about the economy begin to harden in an election year around May. That theory holds. Democrats are in some serious trouble right now because in our new NBC News poll, just 16 percent say the country's headed in the right direction, while a whopping 75 percent say we're on the wrong track. In fact, that wrong track number has been 70 plus for seven months, which in the past has signaled big losses for the governing party. President Biden's numbers have hit a new low. Only 39% approve of his job performance against 56% who disapprove. In fact, the president has now become as unpopular as Donald Trump in this poll. Here's another warning sign for Democrats. Voters are split over who they want controlling Congress, 46-46. That sounds close, but for what it's worth in 2010, Republicans had just a two-point lead on this question nationally, and they wound up gaining six Senate seats and 63 House seats. If there is anything approaching a silver lining for Democrats, it's the issue of abortion. Given the leaked Supreme Court draft decision, 60% say abortion should be legal all or most of the time, the highest we've ever recorded in our poll, versus just 37% who say abortion should be illegal all or most of the time. And abortion has now become the top issue for people who will decide how to vote based on a single issue. Yesterday, I spoke to Bernie Sanders, the independent senator uh, from Vermont, about what he thinks Democrats can do to avoid a shellacking in November. Uh, let me start with uh, what you what you know uh, probably instinctively these days, but our polling has found 75% of the country thinks we're headed in the wrong direction. In fact, just 28% of Democrats right now think the country is headed in the right direction. Uh, where do you stand? Do you think we're headed in the wrong direction? I sure do. Look, what we're looking at is a nation today where the billionaire class, the people on top, are doing phenomenally well, Chuck. Uh, the middle class continues to decline. Uh, we're seeing increased concentration of ownership in America, which has huge impacts for ordinary people. You've got three Wall Street firms, uh, Vanguard, uh, BlackRock, and State Street, that have assets of over $20 trillion, yeah. controlling hundreds of corporations, You're seeing millions of people unable to afford the cost of prescription drugs, unable to afford health care, unable to put gas 
in the tanks. So how can anyone think that what's going on right now is good? Uh, and obviously, what I and other progressives are trying to do is put together a movement which tells the billionaire class in this country whose profits are soaring, who are getting richer and richer, you know what, you can't have it all. We need an economy that works for the middle class, the working class, the elderly, the children, not just the few on top. You know, it's interesting when you talk about the movement, because there's definitely, I, we see it in our own polling, there are more people that agree with sort of your uh, mindset, that you're framing, we need big structural change. But what do we do now before the elections? What, you know, at the end of the day, you have the Senate that you have, not the one that you want. What can get done now that could actually mitigate what looks like it's going to be a tough year for Democrats? Look, uh, we passed early on in the Biden uh, administration one of the most significant pieces of legislation in the modern history of this country. That was the American Rescue Plan, which, Chuck, in my view, did a whole lot to help people deal with the economic turmoil that we saw as a result of COVID and massive unemployment. Uh, what we have got to do right now, it's not hard. You know what you do? You listen to the American people and not wealthy campaign contributors. What does that mean? It means that right now you lower the outrageous cost of prescription drugs in this country. You have the guts to take on the pharmaceutical industry that right now has 1,500 paid lobbyists in Washington, D.C. You expand Medicare. I happen to believe, as candidates that I support believe, that health care is a human right not a function of making huge profits for the insurance companies and the people who own them. You gotta move toward expanding healthcare. You gotta raise the minimum wage to a living wage. You gotta create millions of jobs by dealing with the existential threat of climate. And by the way, you gotta do what the American people want and understand that it is women who have the right to control their own bodies, not the government. Okay, everything you said there was being addressed in Build Back Better. Okay, it wasn't as big as you wanted it, it was too big for some. But why do we have nothing? Right. That is the head scratcher here. Understand you don't have it all. Why no, is it zero? Why is there nothing? It's well, it should not be a head scratcher. You've got two members of the Senate, Senator Manchin and Senator Sinema, who have sabotaged uh, what the president has been fighting. That's a strong for, word. Uh, sabotage. Sabotage. Well, you help me out with a better word here. You got 48 members of the Senate who wanted to go forward with an agenda that helped working families that was prepared to take on the wealthy and the powerful. You got a president who wanted to do that. You had two people who prevented us from doing that. You have a better word than sabotage. That's fine. But I think that is the right word. And I think pressure has got to be put on the part of people in West Virginia, in Arizona to say, you know what? Why don't you stand up? For ordinary Americans, not just your wealthy campaign contributors. Why don't you have the guts to take on the drug companies and the insurance companies and the fossil fuel industry? So let me ask you, though, I, I look, I found, I've talked to Pennsylvania Democrats and they also blame Senators Manchin and Cinema. They don't blame the Republicans. Is that healthy for the party that that all of this concentration and, and should you have found something to do that isolates the Republicans rather than you guys ended up dividing the party against itself? No, I don't see it that way, Chuck. I mean, I think on all of these issues, we had zero Republican support for the proposals in Medicare, in uh, Build Back Better, that were enormously popular. So it's certainly not just Manchin and Cinema. They are two out of the 50 Democrats who went in the wrong direction, but every Republican did. So if your point is, it's not just Manchin and Cinema, you're right. It is every Republican. Now, the problem, I think, is we have not done 
a good job in making that clear to the American people. Let me ask you about the vote to codify Roe this week. Uh, this is one of those votes that, that had 49 Democrats, not 50. Um, should it have been a should you should the leadership have put a bill on the floor that could have gotten 52 votes, including Collins and Murkowski, to isolate the 48 Republican no's? No, I mean, I think we'll see what happens. But to answer your question, I think nobody should think that this process is dead. We should bring those bills up again and again and again. I, I can't. I was just at a rally earlier, you know, on, on Saturday in, mm-hmm. it, uh, in my pillion from my, my state capitol. I mean, people cannot believe that you have a Supreme Court and Republicans who are pre- prepared to overturn 50 years of precedent. So I think what we should do is on this bill and the filibuster, do everything that we mm-hmm. can to get 50 votes on the strongest possible bill to protect the woman's right to control her own body. Before uh, we had this leak opinion about Roe being overturned, you didn't you didn't uh, use the abortion issue as a reason not to support people. You would have you've supported pro-life progressives if they were progressive on economic issues. Well, I recall no. <laughs> a, a mayor of Omaha. I recall a race like that. Has your mind changed? There you go, a mayor no, of Omaha. No, I understand that. But is, is your philosophy changed? Is that a litmus <laughs> no. test for you now for progressives? No, well, I do find it interesting that at this particular moment, when a, literally a woman's right to choose is, is right at stake, that we have too many Democrats who are prepared to support a candidate in Texas who is one of the few uh, anti-pro-choice uh, members of Congress. You're speaking of Henry Cuellar. You think that's a mistake? Uh, yeah, I do. And I, I think I'm supporting... Uh, uh, Jessica Cisneros down right. there. I hope she wins. I'm supporting Summer Lee in Pennsylvania. I hope she wins as well. Do you think at this point, being pro-life, uh, you can't be in the Democratic Party or in the Democratic coalition? Are you are well, you go ready to go that I far? I mean, that's a, that's a uh, you know, we'll, we will see. All that I can say is I think you have the overwhelming majority of people who consider themselves to be Democrats, to be pro-choice. Uh, I have been pro-choice my entire uh, life. And the candidates that I am supporting now are all uh, pro-choice. Look, a woman's right to control her own body is really on the line. And we've got to do everything we can, can to defend that right. Uh, last question. Are you, uh, are you definitely going to rule out ever being a presidential candidate again? Or if there's an open race in 2024, could you Why run? did I think... Why did I? Why did I think you might ask that question? Well, look, your, I, I think, Shakur wrote it in his memo. You, know, you don't... Look, nope... Uh, no politician I know rules out, you know, all options. You know, everything is on the table. But, you know, right now, my focus is to do everything that I can uh, to elect candidates uh, to Congress who are going to stand up and fight for working families in this coming midterm election. Fair enough. Senator Bernie Sanders uh, f- uh, from Vermont. Always a pleasure, sir. Thanks for coming on, sharing your perspective. Thank you very much. You got Thank it. you. Up next, something truly extraordinary for television. We did a war game that the Meet the Press team organized on what might happen if China moved to seize Taiwan and the U.S. tried to stop the invasion. You want to stay with us for this one? Welcome back. In our final episode of this season's Meet the Press reports, we put together a remarkable war game simulation of how the U.S. might react if China invaded Taiwan. The National Security Think Tank Center for a New American Security, or CNAS, convened two teams. The blue team representing the United States and the red team representing China. Which side would prevail? Would China attack the U.S. mainland? Could nuclear war break out? 
The conflict takes place in 2027. There are three rounds of strategy, and I spoke to the game master after each round to see where the conflict stood. Here's a look. As you can see here on the map is a very large concentration of Chinese People's Liberation Army forces at potential ports of debarkation for an invasion. We want to focus on uh, a last-ditch effort to deter. This is a time to be sending the strongest possible message to Beijing, both privately and publicly, that there will be very severe costs if they actually go through with this. China has sort of seen our reaction to Ukraine, and we want to make sure that, that we're surprising them with how we react here. Hit the Americans as hard as we possibly can in the Western Pacific, keep them out of the fight while we move on Taiwan. I would support uh, early knockout punch against Guam. The priority for the first 24 hours is to try to go as fast as possible against Taipei, right? I think it matters to deter United States, Japan, Australia, and other countries from intervening. All right, Stacey, high level here. What just happened with move one? China's invaded Taiwan. It began by attacking Taiwan's outlying islands near the mainland. Then it followed it with a large uh, air and missile strike on Taiwan and on U.S. bases in Japan and on U.S. bases in Guam and the Northern Marianas. In response to that, the United States followed up with bomber attacks on U.S. on Chinese ships in port. And there was an air battle over Taiwan where American aircraft flying from the Philippines came in and um, engaged in combat with Chinese aircraft that were trying to bomb Taiwan. So after move one, can you assess which team is winning? If you want to find out what the winning move was, and I'm sure you do, check out Meet the Press reports wherever you get NBC News Now. Coming up, Republicans seem poised for huge gains in November. But could the abortion issue help generate some Democratic enthusiasm? Stay with us. Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars Rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate. Dental Associates of Northern Virginia redefine what it means to visit the dentist. Get top quality personalized support from committed experts who prioritize the well-being and satisfaction of you and your family. Care is centered on a highly personalized treatment plan backed by the trust and support of long-lasting relationships. Schedule your next appointment by visiting dental1-va.com slash offer slash SiriusXM. Welcome back. Uh, before the events of 24 hours ago, we were going to do a pretty big uh, lead into the midterms. There's still a big primary day on Tuesday. You know, Reverend Sharpton, our poll it's interesting, and you heard the interview with, with Senator Sanders. How do you fire up the left in an, in an environment like this for the, for the Democratic Party? You've got to turn people on to turn them out. And I think the issues that are uh, the left, that the African-American or black community, Latinos and all, are concerned about, 
are not really the issues that they can say that we've had deliverables on. Mm -hmm. George Floyd Justice and Policing Act, John Lewis Voting Bill. I think the president needs to do some executive orders. I think that we need to start seeing some aggressive fighting in the trenches on a lot of these issues. All of this trying to be moderate in tone and Mm -hmm. style as you are in politics, is not going to work. People Should came Buffalo out, galvanize this even more? Buffalo and women's right to choose yeah. put in the right context. Because what people need to understand is that if the Supreme Court, in fact, sends this back to Mississippi, this decision, yeah. they are saying Roe versus Wade no longer protects you. We're going back to states' rights. Well, if you start talking about states' rights, that means something else to me as a black. Wait a minute. We're going back <laughs> to states' rights? Wait a minute. Uh, LGBTQ, we're going back to states' rights? This decision by the Supreme Court could galvanize everyone if it's if it's put in the right context that this is a states' rights decision. If you say the states can decide yeah. women's right to choose, they can decide LGBTQ rights, they can decide yeah. voting rights, blacks, they can galvanize if the Democrats come forward and galvanize. You know, Al, in our poll, look, it is still advantage Republicans. There, you can see it in the poll. Right. But wow, has the abortion decision suddenly given life to the Democratic coalition. You can see that if it indeed happens, it might level or get close to leveling the playing field. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, a question I ask myself, is that gender equal? The, uh, you know, the yeah. abortion issue, uh, is it age driven? Uh, is it the top issue for some people, especially those over 50? Having said all of that, uh, there's so much passion out there, particularly on the left, that it should count for something, especially turnout. Uh, you know, may I add, you know, maybe out of the box, but how shocked I am about the primaries in Ohio and Pennsylvania yeah. as a national observer. I mean, these are two Midwestern states seeking to replace Rob Portman and Pat Toomey, two center right. Very conventional you know, Republicans, conventional. yeah. And, uh, and uh, you know, here I am watching these two primaries that are about to develop. I'm saying, how did Ohio and Pennsylvania <laughs> kind of change so radically in like four years? Not only that, but we remember when Pat Toomey was not a conventional Republican. He was right, actually right, a right, right, right. renegade. And, <laughs> you know, the Democrats, on the other hand, you know, showed a steady hand, Tim Ryan and and, uh, and what's coming up in their primary. But the Republicans have made a total turn. So here's what's fascinating, uh, Ashley and Susan. It's that Donald, you know, we're all trying to figure out, is Donald Trump's endorsement matter? Well, we'll see. Trumpism is dominating these primaries. Yeah. And it's actually hurting Dr. Oz. He, he, I, think, I think the former president picked the wrong Trump candidate. Well, there's also a world where you're right. MAGA has become in certain ways bigger than former President Trump. Um, and, you know, I think that's what you're seeing with the late surge from Kathy Barnett in Pennsylvania. And it's fascinating. Even if you watched him as a president, there were moments when Trump as president felt pulled between being the promise of the dealmaker that people hoped mm-hmm. and his far right base, what folks were saying on Fox News. And in all of those moments, he always retreated to the far right base because there's a part of him that that lives a little bit in fear of them. He absolutely yeah. leads them, but he also worries about them. Trump wins anyway in this Pennsylvania primary, whether his endorsed candidate wins or one of the other two candidates. Oh, they're all bunched together. We don't know. They who's all want to be win. Trump. They, and, they have not run fact, away from it. Not, not like a, Pat McCrory is yeah. actually running against Trumpism in North Carolina. He's, You're not seeing that here. He's still the face of the party. 55% of Republicans told you in your poll yeah. that they want him to be the face of the Republican Party. This after 
all that's happened, his loss in the last election. Uh, but in, in fact, his, his, his statement against the candidate who's on the surge in Pennsylvania said she can't win in the general. But by the way, if she does, <laughs> I'm all for her. I, I, I mean, to go back to something we were talking about earlier in the, in the last segment, uh, the ideology pre-existed Trump. Trump didn't invent MAGA or MAGAism, whatever you want to call it, that's dominating the party. He unleashed it and legitimized it. And it's forced. But I think to an extent, I think on some of these primaries, we focus too much on ideology to the extent that we even know what's going on in the electorate. A lot of it's this era of personality, right? It's persona. When you look at a Kathy Barnett, when you look at John Fetterman on the well, left. John Fetterman. I, I mean, was just going to say Kathy yeah. Barnett and John Fetterman, they're not your cookie cutter politicians. No. And, and you story and persona and, and the celebrity you build matters a lot. Dr. Oz may not win that primary, but he's only there as legitimate as he is because he's a TV star. This is the era as much as the ideology that Trump unleashed. It is this 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 cult of personality in our politics over party, over ideology, over any other affiliation that he represents and that will long outlive him. Here's the problem. Big personalities win elections. Big personalities have trouble governing once they went off. Well, Donald Trump, I mean, (laughs) governing, I mean, you wouldn't put governing and Donald Trump in the same sentence. But the fact (laughs) is that he not only is a big personality, he became a big personality for feelings that were already there. He tapped into what was there and he became the crass representation of that. So a lot of people that felt that way and act as uncouth as he acts now felt like, hey, I got a shot because not only does he speak to what I want, he is who I am. Right. A very crass, uncouth kind of person. Ashley, ultra mega. This was a this ultra (laughs) mega messaging by the team Biden. This was focus grouped. Yes, it was the result of, believe it or not, about six months of research uh, by liberal groups. Biden has decided to try to reappropriate MAGA. He added on ultra with his own flair. And what you're seeing, of course, is that Republicans and Trump are reappropriated. They're proud to be MAGA. They are proud to be ultra MAGA. That's going to change the outcome of all the elections. Uh, Thank you all uh, for doing it. This is a tough show. These are tough uh, issues once again. We're all dealing with, but we need to deal with them. That's all we have for today. Thank you for watching. Keep our friends in Buffalo in your thoughts today. By the way, I'll see the GW class of 2022 in a little bit. Congratulations. And remember, if it's Sunday, it's Meet the Press. Caesars Sportsbook is the only sportsbook app with Caesars Rewards. That means win or lose, every bet brings you closer to the types of perks only Caesars can offer. Like hotel stays at over 50 iconic destinations, bonus bets, daily profit boosts, tickets to the game, dining, and so much more. Whether you're a new or existing customer, Caesars Sportsbook is always rewarding. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Caesars Sportsbook. Don't just spectate, participate.